Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Well, hello again, and welcome to another great episode. We, we are going to deal today with uh, a topic here, uh, that leading from alignment. Really, I think, I think this is one of the things, John, that, that really, when, when people say, I'm done, with ministry, they're generally not talking about a sense of God's anointing. They're not talking about they, they're no longer useful to God. They're talking about difficult people. I, I cannot envision a tomorrow that has less pain or disappointment in it than today. And, and when hope is dead because of people, then, then people in ministry are done being in ministry. And, and I, I've seen it, I, and I'm sure you have too, over and over and over again. Right. The, the biggest issue that people deal with is people leaving their church or people staying in their church. <laughs> right. and the people you want to stay leave and the people you want to leave stay. And, and it can be so discouraging. So I'm looking forward to this. Tell us tell us about dealing with this. Difficult people. I know you made this statement, difficult people go to church. Right. Like We need to know that I, for the, from, the, from the very beginning. We're not going to yep. escape this. This is going to be part of being a pastor. Right. I graduated uh, from Oral Roberts University, a starry-eyed 22-year-old. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> who was going to change the world for Jesus. Um, and no matter where God planted Laura and I, we were going to set records, you know, for him. Oh, yeah. We were going to love people, and they would love us. Yeah. And it didn't take long for that rea- for reality to shatter <laughs> my rose-colored glasses. Yeah. <laughs> um, six months into our first youth pastor role, yeah. I discovered that difficult people attended the church I served. Yeah. Um, and as great as my ORU education was, it didn't prepare me for that. No. It didn't prepare me to handle that vocal minority of church yeah. goers who had a nasty streak. And uh, so when the verbal abusers or uh, divisive members or boundary crashers behave badly, I had no strategy, Jim, yeah. to, to deal with it except to uh, absorb their misbehavior. Yeah. And, and I got angry when that happened, but, you know, I was a Christian and I'm pastor. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I absorbed abuse from difficult people yeah. rather than addressing it. Wow. I think I think right now there's a thousand people in their cars nodding their heads. Like I I know the story. I think everybody, if if they're not still there, everybody can relate to the fact that they started there. Right. When that when that difficult authoritative critical voice told me that what I was doing was wrong yeah. or who I was or who my wife was was wrong. We got yeah. that one early on where someone uh, elderly set of sisters that were in their 70s came to my 20 early 20s wife and said since you obviously don't know how to dress like a pastor's wife mm. we've gone through our closet and gotten some clothes for you <laughs> it, they look like the seat covers from Volkswagen Beetles you know and here you go and it just destroyed my wife and literally um, sent her into hiding as for who she was for the next decade. Right. I can't be who I am because people don't want me to be that. They want me to be who they are. And it was two people, two people's conversation and, and a gift. And they literally thought they were doing the right thing by doing yeah. it. Difficult people. Here's, here's what I didn't know, Jim, in the early stages of ministry, is that pastors who intend on leading for the long haul need steel in their spine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that includes periodically dealing directly and honestly and lovingly yep. with difficult people and sometimes making you know really difficult calls yeah when it comes to to those people yeah. uh you know the apostle paul gives us a great example of this in uh, in uh, in his letter to a, a young pastor named titus he he wrote these words warn a divisive person once mm. then warn him a second time no yeah. here's the, here's the punchline yeah after that have nothing to do with him yeah 
you may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. <laughs> and in that, I mean, that's you know, just the last time I heard a sermon on that. I'm just curious. Probably never. Probably never. And uh, that's that's a shame, actually. Yeah, yeah. That we haven't. Well, and I think one of the reasons that that maybe the, uh, a church would lack health is the lack of that truth. Yes. Because there are times where one one sick situation, one angry person, one controlling, one divisive, as, mm-hmm. as Paul says here, can create such division. I mean, that's what divisive is. It creates division. A right. divisive person creates division, and unhealthy cells collect to that, and it grows, and yeah. and then begins to speak for the majority, begins to, or as a majority, begins to draw resource and attention, and before a leader knows it, he's spending 80% of the time on 10% of the people that think they're 50% of the people, or 51% of the people, that produce 0% of the fruit that God wants to come. That's right. It's, it's a complete trap, isn't it? So every church, gym that I've attended, led, or consulted with, has been populated with a few difficult people. Sure. Yeah. And it's not the again not the majority. It's usually two per two percent, three percent, yeah, four yeah. percent of of people. But it seems like you said, like fifty yeah. percent or more. And and so for a pastor, tough calls with people who behave badly uh, require a great deal of thought mm-hmm. and, and and prayer, uh, wisdom, humility, yeah. but but action. Yeah. I, I was out in Montana a couple of years ago. And we were talking about this very subject in, in front of uh, uh, 270 pastors and their wives. Yeah. Uh, and um, somebody shot their hand up and said, well, I, I prayed all of the difficult people out of my church. Hmm. And I said, you know, <laughs> I'm really happy for you, but yeah. for the rest of us regular people, yeah. uh, that's not how it works. No. It, wouldn't it be great if I could just pray the difficult people out? Yeah. But... Um, I don't know, Jim, you know what? I don't know if we grow as leaders yeah. with that kind of thought process. I think sometimes the Lord allows these people into our church maybe to grow us, yeah. to grow our leadership, to teach us how to have courage. Yeah. And uh, I believe so- that. I, I, and just to verify or validate that statement, when I was a youth pastor, we had difficult people. And I thought, boy, you know, I, I went to my pastor, what do you think I should do? Well, I, you know, you should deal with this. I went back and did it. If that didn't work, then he dealt with it. I had a net, if you will. I'm right. on a tightrope, but I had this net. Then you become a senior pastor, there's no net. And That's I was right. so glad that I had those experiences one-on-one with difficult people before I became the senior pastor and had no one to turn to you know, to, to deal with it, especially if they're on your board. You, know, yes. you can't even turn to your board if they're on your board or right. a, a person is on the board. And generally, it isn't a person. They always tend to find one other person to agree with them and create yeah. a, a pocket. Yeah, they know? find each other. Yeah, yeah. So, so when a pastor avoids those kind of con- confrontations, Jim, they suffer. Sure. A leader. Yeah. Uh, their church suffers. And, and, and so does the divisive person, believe it or yeah, not. Yeah, I believe, yeah. Everybody loses yeah. when we refuse to deal with difficult people. Yeah. Um, I've had some pastors say to me, or object actually pretty strongly, isn't, isn't the confrontational approach unloving? Right. And I just say no. Right. Uh, one of the kindest things I can do uh, for a difficult person in my church is to tell them the truth wrapped with love. And and most leaders avoid these conversations. You know, let's just face the truth, right? They yeah. Because they sap time and energy, and we talked about sleep a couple of, of yeah. pods ago, and, yeah. and, and that can, I, I lost more sleep as a lead pastor, I think, yeah. because of this yeah. than any other thing 
involved in pastoral ministry. And, and so for some pastors, they don't face it. They, they avoid it. But that's not loving. Dodging tough calls isn't loving. Allowing difficult people to have their way with you and your church is mm. not leadership. No. And here's what begins to happen is the church, believe it or not, begins to organize itself around that difficult person. Yeah. And they become, you know, it's almost like cancer, yeah, yeah, right? I was going to say, when, when one cell attracts other cells and makes them unhealthy and demands the resource, that's a tumor. Right. Yeah. And, and that's exactly the dynamic uh, that's going on there. And that's why I think Paul placed limits yeah. on the number of appeals you offer to people trying to divide the church. Paul says, you get two chances. Yeah. Three strikes, you're out. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, here's, here's, the, here's the deal. You know, Paul said, if somebody doesn't, respond after three times there's something deeply wrong there right right and uh and it's time to cut bait well and this is back in the day when they didn't just go down to the next church on the next corner the, you know in some of these towns this was the only group of believers that right. gathered so this this was more than uh get them out of your choir because they don't like the songs you're singing you got this it. is you're you're breaking off fellowship they right. they were now if you're going to if you're going to isolate yourself through divisiveness you will be isolated we will remove what is unhealthy from what's healthy yeah. so it's not contagious and you'll be on your own and unhealthy that's that's a fr- so if we're thinking about well it's really hard on them well it was a lot harder when Paul wrote that than it yes. is today because now they can go down the road and tell everybody what a lousy pastor you are right. <laughs> at their at their last church yeah. <laughs> you know you know jim you said something to me a while back that i thought was really important in this area. So if somebody is really divisive, they're really giving you a hard time as a leader, um, you challenged me with this thought mm-hmm. to ask that person, am I your pastor? Yeah. And if they can't answer oh. yes, then yeah. they need to go find a church yeah. where somebody can be their pastor. If I'm not your pastor, then this isn't your church. Right. It's, it's, it's okay. I love you as a brother in Christ, sister oh. in Christ, but if I'm not your pastor, then, then this isn't your church. Right. And that's hard because a lot of them were in the, the church before I was, yes. decades before I was. And that's a that's a confrontation. But I, I think everybody can acknowledge the importance of that confrontation, can't they? I mean, someone who doesn't, this is my church and you're the new kid that just came here and I'm, you know, you're one of 10 that I'm gonna see in the next 20 years and yeah. I run this church and you do what I tell you to do. And you say, hey, listen, if I'm not your pastor and if this isn't your vision, then this is no longer your church and, and right. I love you and you're released with my, my blessing. Um, but if you're gonna stay, this is what we're doing, and this is this is where we're going. This, right. is, what we're, this is who we're following. That's, I, I agree with you. I think it's the most merciful thing you can do is to take that and and bring them to a place of realization, if not repentance, for the divisive actions. Yeah. And and I and I think maybe this is one of the hardest things to do as a pastor. Yeah. I, I think you might agree with that, Jim. Um, you know, nobody said leading was easy, and and if they did, they were lying to you. Yeah. Um, and so some pastors have never been taught how to do this, yeah. you know, to deal with difficult people. Some, some don't realize they can. Yeah. Uh, some don't realize they should, but for the health of all involved parties, you as a leader, your church, and the difficult individual, you have to understand that making tough calls is part of your assignment yeah. a, a, as a pastor. Right. Yeah, you're not a manager. You're a leader. Exactly. Leading requires vision. Yeah, I'm reminded where it talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit and the, the deeds of the sinful nature. And it's funny where, where Paul writes the deeds of the sinful nature, the, the order they're in. There's, there's witchcraft uh, up high, there's orgies down below, and there's divisive people, people that create strife in the middle of those things. Mm-hmm. 
And what's funny is if I walked out in the foyer after a church service and saw someone, you know, laying in a, a pentagram of goat's blood, you know, with <laughs> candles burning around and they were, you know, it was witchcraft, right. I, I would address that because that's obvious and you can't do that. And they shouldn't say, what do you, I, listen, I've been in this church longer than you have. I can lay in a pentagram of goat's blood if I want to and worship the devil, you know, or if they're orgies. I walk out in the foyer forgive me, but something's going on out there. Like mm-hmm. I, it, that would be obvious to correct. But you walk out in the average church foyer on a Sunday morning, it's not uncommon to find those pockets of people having those private conversations, trying to get other people involved in them. And and I believe that Paul puts divisive behavior between orgies and witchcraft because I've never known of a church that was was defeated or destroyed by orgies or witchcraft. Mm. But we both know churches that have been destroyed by divisive people. Right. This is a, this is more serious than I think we we put it off because it seems too hard to confront. There's I've learned right. through experience as if you the one thing harder than confronting a divisive person is not confronting a divisive person. It will cost you more in the end right. than you ever dreamed. And people are being hurt. And if people if people see what you see and you're not dealing with it, it undercuts your leadership. Right. And if they if they see what what you but they think you don't see it undercuts your leadership. You see it, they see it, it has to be dealt with. This is why you get paid the huge money that senior pastors get paid in America. You know, (laughs) go go out there and and do it, but you have to. To get where you're going, sometimes a pruning is necessary. Yeah, and and so for some some leaders, Jim, the the problem is just not knowing. It's a lack of knowledge that this is proper. Yeah. Um, But once you know it's proper, once you see that the it's scriptural and it just makes sense yeah. uh, logically too. The the other hindrance usually is fear. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of losing. I'm afraid of collateral damage. Yeah. I'm afraid of more pain. I'm yeah. in pain, and I'm afraid of more pain. And so we we ask leaders two questions: uh, Who isn't coming to your church because those cancers are there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, guests are very perceptive of what's okay. happening in yeah. an environment. Yeah. They can feel it. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder how many people are being prevented from becoming part of your church because that has not been dealt with. That person right. or set of persons has not been dealt with. Yeah. Um, so that would be the first question we ask. And then the second yeah. question we ask pastors is this. Do you want short-term pain or long-term pain? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And short- long-term pain will kill you. Yeah. Short-term yeah. pain is more intense. Yeah, in the moment, but long-term pain, you know, and and you have to make a decision. You're already in pain. Yeah. Do I want this to be long-term, or do I want to bite the bullet, deal with it now? And um, in most cases, if you deal with it in a proper fashion, there may be some collateral right. damage that's outside of your control. Yeah, but the church benefits. I, I, Jim, I don't think I've ever seen one of our client churches where the leader deals with this properly, according to Paul's prescription here, yeah. where it hasn't benefited that leader and the church yeah. in the long run. And often the person that was confronted. Yeah, because nobody had the courage to stand up to that person right. before, right. and maybe God's put them in your path because right. you're the one, you might be their last shot. Yeah. And, and so somebody who cares enough about them to tell them the truth, and that might be why they're in your church, because that, this is their last stop. Right. Before God says, right. I've had enough of this. Right. Right. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm going to deal with your misbehavior in a way that's more severe. And God does that sometimes, yeah. right? You know, it's hard to believe, John, it was just a few years ago that you and I didn't know each other. Right. And and one of the things that I when when we met, you came in my office, you gave me the the book, we talked a little bit. There was an immediate 
I like this guy. You know, I think that mm-hmm. went both ways. Yeah. And and I decided to hire this stranger to be my coach. And what I was looking for was a safe place to talk about unsafe issues and a confirming second voice. Someone that, that I knew had experience, someone who had a broader view, someone, because I think I knew what to do. I just didn't know if it was, I didn't have the confidence to do it right. until I had that confirming second voice. And a couple of good questions that you asked to help me, you know, arrive at an at a, a even better conclusion than the one that I had. I think this is where a counselor, a pastor, or in this case, a coach is so vital because I, to have the nerve to go to a deacon who's been in that church since before you were born and to say, it's time for you to go straighten up or, or it's time for you to go, man, then a lot of people just don't have the nerve to do it. That's right. And so that is what destroys that church, that man, that woman, that ministry, that, and that pastor. And we, we have a commitment to see people in leadership be healthy. Right. You cannot be healthy if you allow unhealthy things to happen all around you on a regular basis. That's so right. I, I think, I think this is one of those times, tell us again, I know I ask you every time recently yep. I've asked you, but how do we get a hold of you to have this conversation, to, to have that, that outside third person that has a broader perspective that can from scripture and experience help us confirm yeah, that, that second voice that confirms what we believe we should do. So you can go to convergecoach.com and click on the services uh, tab mm-hmm. on our website, and you'll see our services there, our mentoring, our consulting, our uh, lead pastor huddles, things like that. That's how that's the best way to get a hold of us. And there's a place for you to send us a, a note saying, hey, John, I'd like to talk. Yeah, good. I, I remember one of the things you did that really, uh, and we'd known each other for months at that point, but you fired yourself from from being my consultant you said jim i think i've helped you through every question you had the original list you gave us and some things have come up have all been accomplished and so this is going to be our last phone call i was really surprised because my chiropractor has never said that he said come back three times a week for the rest of your life you know but the restaurant says come back three times a week for the rest right. of your life you're the one that said there's really no other service that i have to provide you right now if you need me i'm always a phone call away but i really i really appreciate i really respect what you do in your team. And uh, I think I speak for everybody that's listening. Thank you for all that you do for the body of Christ and especially for leaders. And if you have enjoyed today's uh, podcast, we, we would really encourage you to share the word. We're's, we've got over a thousand downloads now and, and people are giving us uh, you know, their, their opinions and their reviews and it's also helpful. So if, if there's something you like, something we can improve on, don't, don't be shy. Leave a comment for us in the bottom. If we can help you, call us and uh, share it with a friend. In the meantime, we look forward to the next time we meet because we have to pick up on this conversation some more. I, I, can I just say that? We, yeah. We're not done because what we should do now needs to be followed up by how do we do this? How right. do we have difficult conversations? Because I think, I think we need the courage of knowing we're doing it well before we can do it at all. Right. So in the next pod, Jim, we're just going to explore some practical approaches to having conversations most leaders would rather avoid. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Thank you, John, as always, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.